hello and welcome to the show. It's me, John Park, and it's time for John Park's Workshop. Thanks everyone for tuning in. I see we've got a bunch of people over in our chats, including the YouTube chat and our very own Discord server, which if you don't know about it, that's where most of our chat is happening. If you're off somewhere in Twitch or uh, Facebook, somewhere where you're like, hey, where's all the, all the conversation going on? That's it right there, that. Uh, and you can get there by going to adafru.it slash discord. And this is our live broadcast chat channel, but we have a whole bunch of other channels. In fact, I'll expose them right now. Uh, let me just whoop, a little bit like that. And you'll see, yeah, there they are. Uh, welcome, code of conduct, announcements, general chat, live broadcast announce, and so on and so forth. And a whole bunch of help with uh, sections or channels, which are great for helping people with projects or getting help with projects. So head on over to our chat if you're not there. It's a fun place. Uh, hey, foamy guy. Nice to see you. Yanisku, FX Music. Hello, hello. Andy Callaway. Welcome. Hey, Jim. Dexter. And uh, so next thing I got to do is crack a sparkling water. Do you guys drink Topo Chico where you're at? Very popular here in Southern California for a number of years. Mmm. Very bubbly. Not the best thing to drink when you're on air, because, you know, but I was very hot and thirsty. Uh, all right. What, what, what's going on? So, wanted to mention a couple of things. First of all, as a couple of people mentioned in our chat, check this out. Today is a new product day for some Raspberry Pi Pico boards. Very exciting. Uh, I think at something like 6 a.m. Uh, this morning, our time. What's that? Maybe it was 6 a.m. East Coast time, probably, because it was probably midnight in the UK. Uh, Raspberry Pi Foundation has announced some new boards. So the big, big announcement was the Pi Pico W which is a wireless board. So it's the Pi Pico that you've come to know and love, like one of these. It's a regular Pi Pico, except this one has a Wi-Fi uh, coprocessor on it. I don't know many of the details on it. In fact, what's the, pro what's the processor on there? Does it say? Someone will know. Uh, it says that it has an Infineon CYW4343, uh, which is going to give you 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi. Um, there is capability on the chip for Bluetooth low energy, but I don't think that's been um, actually implemented yet. Uh, so as Todd was joking in the board, in the boards there, uh, it's been like 12 hours since this thing was announced and yet there's still not CircuitPython support, but I imagine that'll be coming soon. Uh, we'll be selling those, I think, for, I think they're like $6. Uh, we don't have any yet, but we will. And I'm going to guess these will be much much more abundant than a Raspberry Pi Raspberry Pi, so don't worry too much about those. Uh, some people I know have ordered them already, either directly from Raspberry Pi or Pi Maroni or other places. And then the other announcements were the uh, regular Pico, except you can now get a version that has no castellated pads, but the headers have already been soldered on there, like this one right here, the Pico H with soldered headers, has this little uh, arrangement on the bottom, a little bracket with the uh, the header pins and that's pre-soldered. 
Someone was asking me, why does it look like that? Why isn't it your more typical, uh, these kind, uh, what am I plugged into here? I'll break a bunch of things. Why isn't it those types? Well, I think this is probably for manufacturing. That's my guess, is that that's an easier part to pick in place and wave solder. That's what I'm guessing. Uh, if you look at the top of this, it's neatly soldered on there, it looks like. Um, but I'd love to hear if anyone in the chat has ideas as to why it's so fancy. Because uh, I've never seen one like that before. So those are the, the new ones. And then there's a version of the Wi-Fi that also has the, the, the uh, pre-soldered headers. So we'll really have four of them. Regular with headers, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi with headers. Uh, so super cool. And let me know if anyone gets their hands on them and has any cool experiences uh, with them and how you're coding it. What's the deal? I'm guessing MicroPython is the, the main way right now. So that's a new announcement. And then uh, we've also got our jobs board. I don't want to forget to mention, if you head on over to jobs.adafruit.com, you will see uh, a bunch of job openings available if you're looking for work, if you're looking to get hired. Also, if you're looking to hire someone, it's a great place to go. It's a free jobs board. And check out this position right here. It just went up. Science kit builder for micro kits in Charlottesville, Virginia, which, hey, I went to college there. I know Charlottesville. I wonder who these people are and what they're up to. It looks cool. They're doing STEM, uh, STEM kits. And uh, they are looking for a kit builder there. So go, go check out. Uh, it like, looks like this is part-time fabrication work. If that's for you, go uh, log in there. You just need an email address to log in. doesn't cost anything, like I said. And there's plenty of other positions. But uh, that one caught my eye because, hey, Charlottesville. Uh, all right. What else is next? Oh. Did you know that I've got a show on Tuesdays? It's called JP's Product Pick of the Week. And on that show, I like to take a look at a new product or a product from our archives that's popular and uh, give you about a 15-minute run-through demo, history of the thing, code examples if that's uh, pertinent. And you get a huge discount. This week it was a 50% off without a need for a coupon code whatsoever. Uh, there it is. It was this beautiful charger, universal charger that you can use with solar, but also with DC, uh, kind of any DC source as well as USB. And uh, there's no coupon codes needed. You just put it in your cart and you get it uh, for 50% off during the show. So watch this show, tune in if you can. I know it's not possible for everyone. Uh, I'd love it if it were, but uh, come on and tune in on Tuesdays at 4 o'clock Eastern Time, 1 o'clock Pacific. Here's a little one-minute recap. The BQ24074 USB-DC and solar battery charger. Super cool feature of this is, of course, solar. The second JST connector here allows you to hook up something that wants that 3.7 volts off of the battery. And in this case, I'm going to plug in one of our little... USB power boost. So this is now converting whatever's coming off that battery. And now I can plug some USB whatever into it. So you could charge a phone off of here. Uh, in this case, I've got one of my little Korg uh, NTS1 synths plugged into here. And so now, right, I've got a USB device. I'm in the sun. Uh, I'm charging. 
I'm running this off of here. I'm charging the battery, so I'm running off of a stable supply. Product pick of the week this week, it's the BQ24074 Universal Charger with DC, USB, and solar. Yes, indeed. Uh, cool chip, very nice. So, uh, let's see what else have we got. I've got a little bit of a setup to do. Um, we're gonna do the CircuitPython Parsec, but this one involves some websites as well as a coding window and some cutting and some pasting, some camera views. So uh, let's, uh, let's get set up for that and then we'll roll. So uh, here we go. Okay, let's see. Uh, before we get going, let me move a bunch of windows around here. I will need that one. And I'll need that right there. All right, some of this will happen behind the scenes, but I think you'll dig it because it's, it's pretty dang cool. So uh, for the CircuitPython Parsec today, I want to show you how you can convert an SVG graphic into a vector IO graphic that you can use with display IO in CircuitPython. So here I have a little TFT Featherwing and a Feather M4. And what I'll do is show you this first. What I'm going to do is I'm going to adjust the scale of my graphic and hit save. This is the cool thing about scalable vector graphics. When you, when you want to, you can change the scale and the image still works. So here I've got a, a very cool bat logo. I'm going to pump that up a whole bunch more. So unlike a raster graphic, I'm not stretching pixels out and making a mess and aliasing things. Instead, I've got a number of vertices here and lines drawing among them using our little line object. Uh, you can see in the code here, I am using vector IO, that's the key thing. And then I have this really cool class that Toddbot wrote called SVG logo. This makes an SVG logo point set into a vector IO point set. So if you take a look at my Chrome capture uh, right here, I have this site up, path to points, it's in Java. And what I'll do is I'll drag an SVG graphic, you can find these all over the place. And here it's turning that into a set of vertices and you can make some adjustments to that and then you'll save off that set of points. You'll run it through a little Python script and then you have something you can cut and paste into this here. You can put multiple paths together. This originally came from Todd's uh, DVD logo bouncing screensaver. And uh, that's about all there is to it. I can, I can set the scale of it. I can set the dimensions of it if I want. But here I've just got a little function where I can make this as big as I want. Eventually it's gonna fly right off of the screen but a really, really handy way to make some graphics that you don't have to just have one fixed size of. Now you can see it's not super fast to draw here, but this, in this case, it's really big, which, which can slow it down. Uh, but you can use smaller ones in movement or you can use larger ones static. And so that is how you can turn an SVG graphic into a vector IO shape inside of CircuitPython. And I'm psyched about it. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec, 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 Parsec. That is the coolest thing, right? Uh, I, I realized, so I, was, I'll, I can show the bouncing logo thing sometime. Really fun. Uh, and hopefully Todd can throw some links up in the chat if you're interested. Uh, I've got, actually, I've got one right here. This is the, uh, the page that'll that'll get you your SVG points. And then here's a little gist on 
making a little Python script that'll convert, it'll sort of massage those points into something usable. Uh, this is a work in progress for Todd, so I wouldn't be surprised if he adds features and, and uh, makes all kinds of improvements to it. Uh, pay attention to Twitter and Todd's Twitter feed because he posted this a little while ago, a whole thread about how he did it, and I, I, it just kind of looked cool and went right over my head, and then I came back to it a couple months later and said, wow, that is really, really cool. Uh, so that'll do it for our circuit part bar sec. Let me take this out of the way here. I love that little bat logo, huh? Yes, and Todd's mentioning in the chat there, it's not technically an SVG. It takes the vertices from an SVG and allows you to use those as vertices for line segments. So these are not infinitely smooth like a like a proper like bezier curve or something like that these are these are a set of points um and you can adjust with that that tool how many you want uh you can make it lower resolution of points if you want but it'll still scale nicely all right uh let's see so got a couple things going first of all um i am excited that liz and i were able to uh publish our guide. Let me head over to the learn, learn guides here real quick. Learn uh, on cassette tape hacks. So, you know, I've been working on some of the cassette hacks here in uh, the workshop and Liz was also working on one. So we now have a couple of these really great uh, mods that you can do to cassette players. And uh, I encourage you to check these out. Look at these really great colors on, on Liz's build there. Super cool. Uh, so hers allows you to full control over the motor, so you can go forwards, backwards, and, and a bunch of different speed settings. Uh, mine adjusts just that uh, slower to faster within the original motor range via MIDI. Uh, you could also use control voltage. And one of the reasons I bring this up is that in my demos, uh, people have asked about gating the volume. So uh, what does that mean? When I play this, if, you, if you've seen me, uh, I won't demo it again right now, but if you've seen me play this, it's got continuous tone, kind of a droning tape loop. And then when I press uh, MIDI keys, it changes the pitch, it changes the speed of, of the motor, so it changes the pitch of that playback. Um, but it's continuously playing. So if you wanted to do something where you only hear a tone when you press the keys, that's totally possible. And what that involves is sort of the second critical component to electronic music making fundamentals other than pitch, which is gate. And gate refers to kind of an open and closed gate in simplistic terms of can I hear a thing or not? Um, so it's gated off, you don't hear it, it's gated on, you hear it. And then there can be ways to make subtle changes in between. So you have sort of envelopes of how quickly we hear it come on and does it die out slowly or does it ramp up slowly and die off quickly? All of those things are sort of more advanced takes on this very simple idea of attenuating the volume or gating the volume on and off. Um, so what I wanted to do is actually talk about a couple of methods I may use. I'm not going to try any of these on the tape deck today, but a couple of methods that have been suggested in the uh, forums or in our chat on Discord about how to gate this player. Um, and then rather than try stuff with the DAC on the tape deck, I wanted to just show uh, in fundamental terms how that works using a couple little synthesizer modules. Um, so let me jump over here to the bench 
Oh, I gotta focus that camera. Let me do that right now. And I'll explain what I got going on here and how this is relevant. Let me pop up a, a view over here too. And I am going to just lower the fan speed of my AC so it doesn't blow quite so hard and shake the camera. Let's see. One second. There we go, that's a little lower. Grab my water as I head over there. So, right, so here's our tape deck and inside of this we have essentially a path of the tape head that's reading the tape and an amplifier, a little uh, tape head amplifier that are then sending that audio out over both the built-in speaker here and this little uh, headphone amplifier out. So there's a volume knob on here. So one, one approach would be to uh, adjust that with a digital potentiometer. Um, some other methods involve using a type of a gate. And one suggestion that I really loved that C. Grover made was, what about using a Vactrol gate? So uh, I think I've demonstrated Vactrols on here before. If not, I might show like a live build of one. But a Vactrol is a really cool way of essentially switching uh, current on and off uh, in, a, in an electric circuit that involves no actual physical connections, but instead a, uh, an optical connection. It's kind of like an optical switch. And very often they're made with a photocell and an LED. So if you send voltage to the LED, it changes the resistance of that photocell. And if you turn the LED dark, it brings that back down. So uh, Vactral gate is actually built into this little module right here, this uh, Laurentide synth works. This is a, a gate made with Vactrals. And uh, what I'll do is I'll demonstrate if I, let me turn on the audio here. If I start with the path that's the most similar to the cassette player to, to my speakers or effects boxes right now, it is, like this oscillator here. Turn that down a bit. Okay, so as I change the tape speed, I'm changing essentially an oscillator. Uh, but I'm running straight out to my, there's a powered speaker here that I've got. If I add this little Vactral into the mix here. I'm gonna use, this is a pair of them. I'm gonna use this lower one just to keep the wires out of the way. Uh, what'll happen is I can take that same output from the oscillator here, this Castor and Pollux, and it is trying to run from this red wire. The audio is trying to run out to my speaker, except the Vactral has not been excited yet. It hasn't been lit up, so the resistance is too high on the little photocell in there. No audio gets through. Uh, so the ways of gating that, the one that's most similar to using my MIDI keyboard, when I send a MIDI signal, I can say, hey, the gate should be open, uh, and that will send some voltage over my, another channel of my DAC. So in this case, I have this really cool little module called Big Honking Button, and I'm just using it to send a gate signal right now, even though this, this can also do other stuff, play wave files and so on. Uh, so when I press this big button, it is going to send some, uh, uh, about a five volt signal, I believe, to the Vactral in here, which is gonna light up the little LED in there. 
with some current limiting resistors, uh, and that is going to drop the resistance of that photocell, allowing the audio to flow back through. So this is the switch, and if I press this, you'll hear it gating that. So the equivalent when I'm pressing, let's say, a couple of different keys on the keyboard would be press it, press a different key. Right, so every time a gate signal is sent to the Vactral here, it either allows the audio to go through or when I release it, it stops the audio going through. Um, so that's kind of the fundamental thing that I need to uh, do on here. Again, there's a couple methods. One would be to use a digital control over that volume potentiometer. Uh, and another one is this notion of introducing a, a Vactral gate in there or some other kind of attenuation. But I like the idea of the Vactral. Um, and the Vactral kind of naturally has a little bit of a, it's not a hard on, hard off square wave. It has a little, kind of little gating uh, envelope, especially on the tail of it, kind of won't dies off a bit. Um, and so what I wanted to do also is show you that the gate there doesn't just have to be controlled by kind of a one key at a time thing. And the pitch doesn't just have to be controlled by me moving that knob, uh, but just extend this kind of one, one sort of piece of gear further, which is to introduce a sequencer. Um, so let me zoom out a little bit. This is a fun little sequencer. I've, I've maybe shown this before. Uh, this is from Korg. Uh, they cost about $100, and they're just a workhorse sequencer. It allows you to send uh, different control voltages, which is what adjusts the pitch, or in the case of this guy right here would adjust the motor speed. So it's certainly possible to uh, use this sequencer as part of, the, part of the mix with that tape there. And it sends out a gate. So I've actually got two cables here connected, one to send out CV or pitch information, and the other one to send out gate. Now, if I kind of go back to where I'm not gating that signal on and off with the, the Vactral anymore, and I just have a continuous tone, so I'm not using gate at all. Now I can tell the sequencer to change pitches on each step. But it's continuous, right? So that's really similar to how my tape machine works right now, which is it's always going to play whatever its base frequency is or base speed until I tell it different, different pitches. Uh, the beauty of adding gating is that we can now have notes go on and off, which is pretty pleasing. So to do this, what I'll, what I'll uh, change about the setup, so this is the same setup as before here, right? I've got audio coming out of my oscillator, going to the Vactral uh, gate, and then going to my powered speaker. Pitch is now being controlled on the oscillator by this control voltage, this pitch control voltage. And then this gate, which is actually also a kind of control voltage, but for clarity's sake, it's just called gate, but it's essentially a zero or a five volt usually. Uh, so for the gate, I'm gonna plug that right into that Vactral. Again, same place I used to have the button plugged in. Now this is whenever we move to another step. If that step is lit on, we're gonna hear the gate open and we'll hear a note. If that's off, we won't. So now we'll get a rest for the first time with this. Uh, so here we go. 
right? So we can just say, just give me one gate at the beginning. Let's put a, put a second one. Okay, so that's the idea behind that. Um, and I didn't have time to try building a Vactral for this yet. Uh, that's going to be coming up, I think. I think it's a fun idea. Uh, I may try um, just one last thing, which is um, I don't have my MIDI set up for this, so I'm not going to change the pitch of this, but just to play my um, cassette through this Vactral gate, it should allow me to send the audio into there. I don't actually have the right cable right here. Let's see if it works as a stereo out. We'll see if it, if it works. And so presumably that's trying to play the cassette right now through there. And oh, there we go. So let me turn the volume up. Oh, I've broken something. <laughs> Did I run out of tape? No. Just got to hold it right. Something's acting funny. Yeah, I don't think the mono cable plugged into there is making it too happy. Do I have a splitter? I don't think I do. Uh, well, hopefully you heard, heard it there for a second when it was working. So this audio is kind of not flowing so kindly through here, but uh, it is being gated off by this. And there we go. Uh, I can't move now. I might be able to slow this down a little just by putting my finger on the reel. Oh, I stopped it. Now I've made it angry. Uh, it probably, probably, yeah, I'm going to break the cassette. There we go. Right, so... Uh, I won't be able to change pitch just because I don't have, have pitch control on here right now. Uh, but that's ideally what I'll have is the MIDI will be sending to the Cutie Pie, and then one channel of the DAC tells the speed control, and the other channel of the DAC is opening and closing the Vactral. Um, I will another time show, let me stop this here, uh, how a voltage-controlled amplifier, or technically a voltage-controlled attenuator, works, which may be a little more forgiving of the low current that I send out of the DAC. We'll see. Uh, that, that may have a, a lower current requirement than the Vactral gate. just depends on how that's been designed. Um, but I think uh, I probably can't easily take it apart and show it. Yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll explore the Vactral thing, because even just that on its own is, is super, uh, super cool, super interesting. It might be fun to make a, uh, a, a demonstration, one that we can look at. So... Uh, so that's the status of that. Um, and then I also wanted to update some thinking on the little drone loop. Let me head back over here to the workbench. And I'm also going to go grab my water. Yeah, that did sound a bit like a, a, <laughs> a dial tone there or something. Um, DJ Devin 3 says, I still think trying to decouple the tape head with a mechanical piston switch really, really fast would be oddly satisfying. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, hey, Steve. Okay, you're on. 
late to the party. Welcome. Uh, so, on to our drone, digital drone synth. So, this is not what I'm going to do physically with it, but this I, I had on hand. It's a pretty good way to, to get started on this project. So, I'm using a KV2040 here. It's got eight wave files on it that I have playing in sync simultaneously. When the, when the code on there starts, it just opens up eight of these voices on the mixer, on the audio mixer in CircuitPython, starts them playing. And then last week I did kind of a hacky version of going from having momentary switches to having toggles. So it'll play a drone in one of the eight pitches that I have on there and add them. Since they're always playing, we can mix them all in with the audio mixer. Um, so that I did a better version of it, better code now for, for dealing with that. I'll show that in action. And I've just started adding a uh, level knob. So each, my idea for this, just to keep the hardware a little minimal rather than having eight knobs on here is whatever note I play, I can then go and adjust the level on that with the encoder and then go to a different, different one. Idea of using an encoder for this rather than a potentiometer is with an encoder, you can not worry about making a uh, jump to the level for each one you go to. So if we set the first note to a really low level and then come up to the top note, as soon as we touch that, it would jump down to the lowest level. With an encoder, we can do these tricks sometimes called pickup, where we pick up wherever we left off. Essentially, when it starts moving, it'll grab the existing uh, gain value and then start adjusting that. So uh, let me plug that into the speaker and show you how it's working, show you the code and talk about issues and where it's going. So let me go to a little down shooter view of that. Okay. Give that some power. I love these little buttons, but the the play, the little slack in these button caps makes them always wonky. Kind of could use a little uh, face plate that they're partly recessed into that's fairly snug so they can't uh, wiggle like that. It's constantly driving me bonkers. Okay, so if you remember from last week what I've done there, uh, sounds like the beginning of a Prince song. Uh, I created a series of these short looping sine waves uh, in a series of pitches. I picked eight, eight tones to, to have them uh, play so I can... Uh, as I also mentioned last week, until I get the version with LEDs in the switches, I never am sure which ones are playing, and it takes forever to, to turn them all off. Uh, hello, El Mario, says Ola from Spain here over on YouTube. Welcome. Um, so what I was talking about with the, the addition of gain, so let's, let's play a note. And then I think the way I have this working, I was just changing this earlier. I'm adjusting 
the gain now, but I don't have it um, actually engaging until I press that, that button again. So now it's really quiet. So here it's medium, louder. And I can add some other pitches in. And now this will only change the volume of that higher note. Uh, so that's not ideal, but that was just sort of the journey I'm on to, uh, to get this to work. Biggest issue is I am very iterative with coding these kinds of things. And with this RP2040 chip and the audio mixer and USB kind of melange, there is a, uh, a need to reset the board each time you want to iterate. And it takes a moment to kind of jump in there. Uh, in the REPL and cancel the execution of the code. Otherwise, it, it just kind of crashes and freezes. I've, I've run into this before. I need to update. I think there's a, uh, a bug request uh, suggestion type of thing in GitHub, and I need to, need to see what the status of that is and try to get that fixed. So it's a slow going for me uh, getting this to work, but let's, let's take a look at the code, and I'll show you. Uh, how that's set up currently, and let me close that code file and open up a new one. Okay, so here you can see are my eight uh, wave files that I'm playing, and one change from last week is that I'm now uh, using Seesaw to add that rotary encoder. This nice little rotary encoder breakout makes it makes it nice and easy. This also, by the way, does have a switch on it, so I, I, I add an eighth button. I'm not using it now for anything, but this is a push encoder, so I can pick pick volumes. Whoa! Made it. I made the headphone jack angry. Sorry. Um, but yeah, you can click that to be another input device. You can also do things like click rotate, so that's kind of like a, a whole second set of. Uh, rotates that you can have is if I'm clicking when I rotate. That's fairly common on interfaces and car stereos and things. Uh, and this has a NeoPixel on here that I'm not currently using. So that could be another way to tell you which key you're on or what the volume level is for the key you're on or something like that. Uh, the events here or the uh, while true loop, you can see I check for event. Uh, with the keypad um, library. So I'm checking to see if any of these keys get pressed. When they do, I then run through this right here uh, using the, if the event is pressed, I use the handle mixer function. And if you look here in the handle mixer function, this has changed a little bit, uh, the voice uh, becomes the mixer.voice number. And then we can change that voice level to be either zero if, uh, if it was previously not pressed or change it to whatever the value is in this dictionary or list of lists. Uh, so initially they're all set to 0.4 um, and that's the value I'm changing with the rotary encoder. So in the handle mixer function here, since it grabs, where'd it go, uh, that value from here, wave files.number, like let's say it's the second button, 
uh, so it'd be a one. And then this is asking for whatever that gain value is, which was initially 0.4. When I'm changing the potentiometer, I'm changing the value in that list. So that's what's getting updated. And then when we actually press the button, that's when I'm asking for it. So the way that's changed is when the position changes, the last position becomes a position. This is so we know we've changed and can have a reference point. Uh, currently, I'm printing that to the REPL to, to debug things. And then we set this uh, variable called current gain to be whatever was in there before. So if it was at 0.4, okay, I grab that number. Uh, and this is part of where I'm working towards being able to just grab the existing value and then add to or subtract from it instead of making a big audible jump. And then I change the value in that table to be, uh, I'm constraining within a zero to one range using simple math library, whatever that current gain value was, so let's say 0.4 plus, and then I'm doing some goofy math right now that'll, that'll probably uh, update in the future with, a, with a, uh, a map range function. But right now I'm saying the position, which is gonna be zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, and on and on and on as you rotate that encoder, it changes by one. Uh, so I'm making that uh, into hundredths. And uh, <clears throat> so we're adding a hundredth to the value, and then I'm constraining that to be between zero and one. Uh, and then here again, just for debugging, I'm printing. I was trying to do handle mixer in here, but this was turning the mixer on and off every second click of the encoders. So that was no good. So that was, that was where I was uh, just prior to the show, and then uh, took that out and just have it only do the handle mixer call when I press it. Um, Question over in, yeah, first of all, a statement. Mario says, never touch a live jack, absolutely. Uh, Mario says, instead of the rotary, can you use a capacitive sensor? Uh, so you can use a wireless change of the volume. Yeah, for sure, you, you, can, you could definitely use something like a capacitive sensor for this. Um, you could have it be constantly watching. You could have it turn on notes and then adjust those almost like a, um, volume of a theremin type of thing. Uh, you could use faders for this, slide, slide pots, um, but they would have that issue of kind of getting stuck physically where they were for the last note. Um, so let's see, questions in the chat. Um, Kripnip, hey Jay, uh, says, is the gain value implemented like a gate? Sounds like it activates after you turn the knob and press the button. Yeah, currently, oh, you said the explanation answer the question. Yeah, so it should be uh, a fairly smooth adjustment of that gain. Uh, the gain only goes 0, 0. 0.0 to 0 0.1, but uh, we could get some subtle changes in that with the knob, but uh, my implementation right now requires me to click the button. Um, let's see. DJ Devin asked, what is Seesaw? Or maybe was answering someone's question, pasted in there. Uh, thank you, a response. Yeah, the um, Seesaw chip is tiny little, I forget which one we're using now, we have a tiny little microcontroller on the bottom of this PCB that has analog and digital inputs. And so it's just reading stuff like the encoder and the button. Uh, it's also handling writing. Uh, out to the, to the NeoPixel on there, and then sending all of that stuff over I squared C. So it's, it's uh, the Seesaw devices are great because they basically offload a whole bunch of GPIO thoughts to a, an off-board device, and then whatever it came up with based on the sensor or the, or the uh, 
controller that's on there, it just sends that over I2C back to your microcontroller. So that's uh, really efficient, uh, both hardware-wise and coding-wise. And you can plug them in with these cute little Stemma QT cables, which I love, because uh, they chain. So we've got, you can do multiples on there. In fact, I just stole that one off of this because I couldn't find any others, but this was a demo I had built uh, before using some uh, switches, and I had four, now three, of these rotary encoders uh, ganged up, and all of that is, is plugged over Stemma QT, uh, using those Seesaw chips to process the, the I.O. Uh, all right, yeah, so that is the state of it. Where I'm thinking of going with this, uh, I have a couple thoughts. So I am gonna try to use those stepped LED switches that look like an 808 drum machine style switch because I love them. And, uh, and I asked Lamore if she could stock them and she said yes and she got some samples in. Uh, thanks to her, uh, we are gonna have them in the store so I'll be able to use some cool stepped switches which will show me when they're lit up. Uh, you could definitely do this instead right now today using what I have there, which is our mechanical key switch Stemma QT board. So that's four uh, mechanical keyboard key switches with integrated NeoPixels, and you can put two of those together and, and get the eight buttons. That would certainly work um, as well. But I'm thinking of using those step switches because they're awesome. Um, and using, like I showed last week, an OLED display with some cool tape reels on it, showing us some information and just looking cool. Uh, and what else? I think that'll be, that'll be it. Um, audio out on there. Probably, uh, Feather RP2040, but maybe, maybe a Metro M4, or rather a, a Feather M4, because I also want to try using Teensy Audio, uh, library, which can do things like some speed and pitch shifting. It can do more sophisticated audio stuff. So I may try to have it where it can run both. It can run a simpler version in CircuitPython and a bonkers version in uh, Arduino using the Teensy Audio Library. So those are some thoughts on that. And form factor wise, I'm thinking of, have you seen this amazing looking, let me find it on here. Uh, it's like a digital cassette player in a 3D printed case that looks like an old tape recorder. Someone find it and put it in the chat. It looks like a Fisher-Price version of a, of a tape recorder with an OLED. And I'm not seeing it right now, right away. Yeah, I'm not searching for the right things. But anyway, I liked the idea of, of making the uh, enclosure have a cassette well, but it's actually got an OLED of a cassette in there. Really cool. Um, or maybe a reel-to-reel -reel looking thing, like a little baby mini reel-to-reel. -reel. I don't know. Some, something fun like that. Uh, all right, is that it? Let me know if anyone's got any other thoughts or questions in the chat. Um, oh, Ezra Kornfeld asks, are those buttons and rotary cords for drawing program? Yeah, I had made a um, Photoshop palette kind of artist's tool there so you can pick your gradient and brush and color picker, uh, eraser, and then you can change things like the brush radius and opacity and a couple other things uh, using those. So that was the demo that I had, had done on there. Um, I don't think I ever wrote a guide up for that, but that was, uh, that was the idea behind that. It was just similar to you've seen probably uh, some commercially available sort of plug and play encoders and sliders and stuff uh, that are used for, 
Photoshop and Premiere and stuff like that. Uh, oh, good. Todd found that. Thanks, man. Uh, here is what I was talking about in the Discord. Look at that. That is awesome. So adorable. Uh, so OLED to act like the tapes, and then they put some mechanical key switches and a rotary encoder, and I think that's a player. It's, it just plays back MP3s or waves. Um, so very inspiring. I love the, the design of that. Super cute. Uh, that was on Hexter IO. Reads micro SD cards and uses ESP32 for processing. Really cool. Uh, yes, Ezra, similar to a drawing tablet. Absolutely, yeah, with the buttons and things on a Wacom, that kind of stuff. All right. Well, I think, whoops, I'm going to disappear myself. I think that's going to do for today. Thank you all so much for stopping by. Uh, and I believe, Tim, if you're around, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there's going to be a deep dive with Tim slash Foamy Guy tomorrow. And then we'll get back to our regular slate of shows. I think next week everyone is on. So we should have, uh, I'll be doing a product pick of the week on Tuesday. We'll have show and tell on Wednesday. Ask an Engineer is back. Uh, there'll be 3D Hangouts on Wednesday morning as well. Sorry, I, I, I jumped right past that. Uh, I'll have another workshop show on Thursday and another uh, deep dive with Foamy Guy. And, and sorry if I missed anyone, but yeah, we got a bunch of shows coming up next week. So please tune in for those. Thanks everyone for hanging out in the chats. Thanks everyone over in YouTube as well as uh, over in our Discord. We appreciate you and, and thanks so much for answering questions for people and asking them. Keeps it, uh, keeps it fun and lively. I'm going to go finish the rest of that Topo Chico. Thanks everyone. Uh, for Radio Fruit and Cheese, I'm John Park. This has been John Park's Workshop. Bye-bye.